All right. Well, it's a joy to be in person with you during uh, this Sunday service this morning. Um, I'm excited to be with you and focus in on this topic uh, from Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, we're going to do a couple more sermons on the book from the book of Hebrews and launch from at the end of Hebrews. There's there's these there's these uh, exhortations, these instructions that are just kind of um, just a, various instructions like practice hospitality. Don't don't neglect to show hospitality. Honor marriage. Uh, offer sacrifices of praise. Share share with others. And this is just one of those. Uh, many uh, exhortations within the chapter, and so I'm just going to launch. I'm gonna, a couple of sermons are going to be just launching from one particular aspect within Hebrews. So next week it'll be on marriage. Okay, so whether you're married or single, uh, I want to encourage you to show up and, and, and listen to that message on marriage because we're going to look at God's biblical design for marriage and, and how we can honor that and, and celebrate that. Okay, uh, this week we're going to focus in on practicing hospitality. This is something that connects to the rest of the book of Hebrews. Okay, and I'll, and I'll highlight that. Um, but then we're also going to see that, that this is a theme throughout the Bible. And this is a theme that flows from the very heart of God. And, and in the last few months, during a global pandemic... When people have been confined to their own house and we've had to practice what's called social distancing, right? Uh, being six feet apart. Y'all six feet apart? Uh, being six feet apart, wearing masks. And we're not designed by God to wear masks where people can't see our faces. We're designed to be an intimate, loving relationship with one another where we know and we're known. And so we're going through something that's really difficult because it goes against our very God-given design, namely that we're created for community. We find fulfillment and purpose and meaning and growth and, and life through being in Christ-centered community. From the very beginning, God designed it this way, that we be a people, a relational people. God is a relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He created us to be a relational people. And so when we find ourselves in isolation and disconnection from others in community, we feel something's missing. We feel empty. And so it's a challenge for us to experience deep, authentic, intimate community during this time because we've been uh, instructed to space out for the sake of safety so we don't spread this virus to others. And so we need wisdom. We need courage. We need God's guidance as we move forward in the days ahead so that we don't get sick and spread sickness to others, but also so that we obey God's command, the biblical imperative to not neglect to meet together. To not neglect showing hospitality to one another and living out all the one another's of Scripture. Now, many of those need to, we need to be in proximity with people to live out. Right? Now, we can be creative with technology these days. We can, we can, we can Zoom, we can FaceTime, we can uh, text message, we can Marco Polo, we can, what, what's, what's your favorite means of communication? Uh, Marco Polo, what, what's the other ones? Messenger kids, even the kids got messenger kids and have Zoom communication. Uh, there's all these ways that we can communicate. And they're great and they're helpful tools. 
But they tend to diminish the glory of the experience of knowing one another intimately. Like in Zoom, your, your face will you know, freeze up, the screen will freeze up, and your words will get distorted, and you're not able to absorb the presence of another human being like you could, like, like right now within this time. And people are craving this right now, what we're experiencing right now. We, we have bodies in here, we have people in here, and we're able to sing together, we're able to see one another hear one another and be encouraged by one another through the word of God and through the presence of other loving believers. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to dig in here to Hebrews chapter 13 and I'm going to read the first three verses and then we're going to go from there. Father, as we open up the word of God, would you speak to us? Would you speak to us about who you are and how you've wired us and how we can display the gospel within our community. By your grace, would you move us to being a more loving, gracious, and hospitable people that reflect you well and display the beauty of the gospel in our relationships. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So here we go. Hebrews 13, 1 through 3. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also, since you also are in the body. And all God's people said... Amen. Here's the big idea. God calls his people to display his grace by showing hospitality to one another and to strangers. God calls his people to display his grace by showing hospitality to one another and to strangers. And we see this theme from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We see a a, a great example of this in the Old Testament is, is Abraham. Abraham showed hospitality to these strangers who showed up, uh, didn't have a place to stay, and they, t- they, they, actually, they actually were angels, and they had a message of warning that God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, which, which is where his cousin or nephew Lot was, and Abraham had the opportunity to intercede, and Lot and his family were spared through the intercession of Abraham. Uh, but, but we see... The, the Jewish people held up Abraham as this example of a hospitable person, one who welcomed guests who came in. And perhaps that's who the author of Hebrews is alluding to when he says some have entertained angels unaware, not even realizing it. These guys are angels. And, and I wonder how, how many times that's, that's happened for, for others in the world where you've, you or I have entertained or shown hospitality to somebody have you ever had that thought, you, you helped somebody out, you showed hospitality to somebody, and you just wondered, like, that person was really interesting. That was kind of weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of wonder, anybody ever had that? I've had that thought more than once. Like, was that person an angel uh, sent by God in an opportunity for me to display Christ's love? Um, and so, anyhow, God calls his people to walk in that. And so what I'd like for us to look at today is, what is hospitality? Why should we practice hospitality? What are some practical ways that we can move forward in being people who are hospitable? Okay? 
And so the Greek word that's translated hospitality, uh, it literally means love to strangers. Love to strangers. The author of Hebrews says, don't neglect showing hospitality to strangers. Okay? Now, we're, we're told also in other places in the scripture that, that we should especially show hospitality to the body of Christ, to the family of God. We should be eager to do so. But, but that hospitality should extend beyond our spiritual family into those, out to those who are lost or to those who are strangers. Um, the Cambridge Dictionary, if you look up the, the definition for hospitality, is the act of being friendly and welcoming to guests and visitors. John Piper says this, he describes hospitality as the willingness to welcome people into your home or apartment who don't ordinarily belong there. Okay? Another uh, definition of hospitality is hospitality is using what God has given to us to demonstrate his love for others. Okay? Hospitality flows from the heart of God and it is an expression. It's a way that you and I can display the gospel of grace to others. Amen? Amen. Um, another quote here. This is from Rosaria Butterfield. Uh, she, she wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Uh, it says, radically ordinary hospitality is this. Using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. Let me read it again. Radical ordinary hospitality is this. Using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. It brings glory to God, serves others, and lives out the gospel in word and deed. Lastly, here's another quote, a book that I found helpful that has a chapter on this, Pursuing Hospitality by Alexander Strzok. Leading with love. He says, through the ministry of hospitality, we share what we value most. Family, home, financial resources, food, privacy, and time. In other words, we share our lives. This is hospitality. Hospitality is opening up our home and, and our lives to others. Okay? And so, <clears throat> that's a great <clears throat> description or definition of what hospitality is. Jen Wilkin wrote a blog article in 2013 on hospitality, and she made a distinction between entertaining and practicing hospitality, which I think is helpful. Okay, She says, entertaining is always thinking about the next course. Hospitality burns the rolls because it was listening to a story. <laughs> Ladies, y'all like that? My wife is like, yes, amen. <laughs> Entertaining obsesses over what went wrong. Hospitality savors what was shared. Entertaining is exhausted. Exhausted says it was nothing really. Hospitality thinks it was nothing really. Entertaining seeks to impress. Hospitality seeks to bless. You see, you see the, the distinction she's making here? There is a way that we can bring people into our homes and make it all about us. Look at what we have here. Look how awesome we are here. But see, biblical hospitality isn't about entertaining in that kind of way. Biblical hospitality is about serving and showing love and meeting the needs of those around, people who are hurt, 
People who are in despair, who need encouragement. People who are going through financial and relational struggles. People who need to experience the grace of the gospel, whether they're Christians or non-Christians. That's biblical hospitality that God calls His people to walk in. And I think it's key for us, if we're going to make an impact in our world, if we're going to love people, which is a part of our vision, know Jesus, love people, and impact your world, showing hospitality, practicing, pursuing, and being eager to show hospitality without grumbling is going to be a key way for us to love one another and impact our world. Amen? Amen. And so why should Christians practice hospitality? I, when, when I'm preaching on stuff like this, I, I always want to get to the why, not just the what. I don't want to be a, a pastor, a leader who just tells our church what you should be doing. Okay? Now, I need to do that. But I, I, don't, I, I don't want you to just know the what. I want you to have the heart behind it, the why. Why should we do this? So that when the what is tested and when the what gets really hard and there's a sacrifice in it and, and, it's, and it's not as easy as you thought it was going to be, you still have that why driving you and leading you and fueling you to do what God has called you to do. And so the first thing is, is obvious. I got five whys here. First thing is that hospitality is imperative for every Christian. It's not a suggestion and it's not optional. That hospitality isn't just for the extroverts who love being around people. It's for the introverts and the extroverts within the body of Christ. Okay? Because it's a biblical command. It's an imperative. 1 Peter 4.9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Okay? I, I think it's, it's, it's important to note that Peter adds this in here. Without grumbling. It doesn't say just show hospitality to one another. He says, show it without grumbling. You see, showing hospitality to one another often involves a sacrifice, and it's, oft, it's often challenging. It's often, it's often stressful for us because we've got to clean the house. We've got to pick up all the toys and, and get the dishes done and, and clean the table and wipe the windows. We, gotta, we feel like we've got to do all these things. Now, it's, it's nice to provide a clean place when you invite people over, okay? But it's okay to burn the rolls sometimes because you're so engaged in the conversation. You're so engaged with that person who's there, and you're, and you're freed up to, to not try to, to impress them with how clean your home is, okay? We want, the, the mindset should be we want to serve them with the pleasant place that we invite them others to, right? And so it's imperative. Showing hospitality. Do it without grumbling. When, 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 when you invite people into your home, those of you who've hosted community groups or parties, you know that after a big party or after a community group, there are dishes piled up, there are mess, you know, spots on the floor and on the window. Sometimes something got broken or a toilet's not working afterwards or gets clogged or whatever. There's, there's stuff that just happens, okay? There's a, there's a pro, it reminds me of a proverb that says we're... Uh, there's no cattle that the oxes, or where there's no ox that the, the stall is clean. You, yeah, you can have a nice clean stall, ox stall, if you don't have any ox in it, but it's designed to house oxes, but, but, but through an ox, through the strength of an ox, there's much increase. All right? And there's, there's, there's much mess as well. Um, Romans 12, 13, Paul is explaining 
uh, as application in how to live out the gospel as Christians. He spent 11 chapters giving theology, doctrine. And in chapter 12, in 12, 13, 14, and 15, he transitions to duty, Christian duty. This is how we respond in a way that reflects the gospel of grace that we believe. And one of those commands that he gives in, in Romans 12, which is loaded with imperatives, is contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. And then Hebrews 13, our text for today. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Okay? This doesn't come naturally. We have a natural tendency to gravitate towards self-oriented comfort and isolation. Okay? This is my home, my space. I want it quiet. And I want it, I want it, I, I want to enjoy it, right? And, 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 and so this goes against our selfish nature, okay, uh, to, to welcome in others, to embrace the mess that comes along with having more people around. Um, so we should do it because it's imperative. Hospitality has been shown to us. This is, this is, this is a huge why. This is, this is what should drive us. When it comes to showing hospitality. Hospitality has been shown to us by Jesus. Hospitality has been shown to us by Jesus. Think of Jesus' words that you have responded to. The great invitation that you responded to when you came to Jesus. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. What a hospitable statement. Hosts who display hospitality provide a place of refreshing and rest for their hosties or their, their, uh, their guests. Their guest. And Jesus says, come to me, I'll give you rest. Romans 15, 7, 7 says this, Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is why we should be hospitable and welcoming. And, and when, when people show up at our church or people show up to this place, our gathering space, we're the church, or when people show up to our home, we welcome them because Christ has welcomed us in His grace. He welcomed us when we were yet sinners, when we were his enemies, Romans 5 tells us. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Ephesians chapter 2 and talked about gospel reconciliation and how the gospel tears down the barriers of racism within the human heart and creates a diverse people, unites us together because of Christ. In Ephesians 2, it says that we were the Gentile Christians, which I think we're, are we all Gentiles in here? Do we have any Jewish Christians in here? Okay? So speaking to Gentile Christians, he says you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms us and shapes us into people who display the grace of the, the gospel by showing hospitality. Because we've received that from Jesus. We've been brought near. 
We were strangers. We were alienated. We were outcasts. We were outsiders. And Jesus welcomed us in to himself by his grace. He died for us so that we would have a place at his table. That, so that we would have a place in the Father's house. And now we have a place to belong. You see, everybody needs that. Everybody needs that in this world. Everybody needs a place to belong. As the old Cheers song says, where everybody knows your name, right? Everybody needs that third place. That's a Starbucks concept, right? Where they want to create this third space for people to gravitate towards because you need that third space where there's community and connection, right? And as the church, we ought to be, we ought to be leading and creating and cultivating that third space for people, especially for our church community. But that church community should also be missional and not only uh, inward focused, but also outward focused together. And we'll get to that. So hospitality has been shown to us by Jesus. Okay? Hospitality, hospitality is the disposition of those who have been received by heaven. Hospitality is the disposition of those who've been received by heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 35, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. Welcome me. You see, this is a heart that's been changed by the grace of Jesus. This is a heart that's experienced the grace of Jesus and the hospitality of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. The gospel transforms us in the people of grace which is manifested through our hospitality. The gospel provides a basis for practicing hospitality. Amen? Amen. Here's a great quote from Philip Hughes. True hospitality springs from the limitless fountain of divine love manifested to us while we were estranged sinners. Romans 5.8 And it must likewise be spontaneous, unforced, and free from reluctance. Spontaneous, unforced, and free from reluctance. Now, I think it, it can be and should be both, both planned and spontaneous. Okay? Planned hospitality. You know, some of us neglect it because we, don't, we fail to plan for it and schedule it in, right? But then some of, us, some of us need to be a little bit looser on our schedules to where we can make space and make room for others to just show up on our doorstep without a, without a text message. Huh. Without a text huh. message, and just and, and, and be welcomed in, because we're we're a hospitable people, we're family, we're a place of grace, we're a safe place that provides community, loving community. Hospitality facilitates loving community. Okay, this is one of our values here at City Church. We value loving community. A part of our vision statement is we, we love people. And hospitality is a practical way for us to, to, to facilitate loving community. Welcoming one another into our homes. Taking one another out to eat. Connecting with one another. The early church, was not, they were superstars at this. Okay? And, and they had to be because there was persecution. They didn't have a lot of options like we have today. I mean, they, 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 they met in the temple, but they, they, the gospel of Jesus wasn't always welcomed in the temple, the Jewish temple. Christians weren't always welcomed in the Jewish temple, all right? And so they, they not only met in the temple when, when it was 
permittable to do so, but they met house to house. And there was this house to house movement that happened that just spread throughout the world. And even today it's happening in places like China where there's heavy persecution, but there's this house to house gathering together and somebody's taking the risk to open up their house so that believers can meet together. And man, we have, a, we're, we're right now, we're in the midst of this pandemic. There's risk. There's risk for us to open up our house, to gather together. Now, when we have a smaller group of people, the, the, the risk gets, it, it's, it's more calculated, right? The risk gets lower. And so a lot of churches have realized, okay, we can't do these mega church gatherings right now, but we've got small groups, and small groups can gather and meet with less risk of this virus spreading. And so we need small groups right now. We need those who are willing to open up their homes right now to gather for meals, to gather for prayer, or, or even your front lawn, okay? Like if you still want to be cautious, and if, and it's, if, you, if you want to pull out the, uh, the, the uh, thermometer on the head before everybody walks in your, your house, okay? I, I got a relative who has that. You know, you, go, you come into my house, right? You get, you get checked. That's okay. That, that, I, I see that there's some wisdom in that, right? If you want to wear your mask, that's okay. Okay? But we still need to ain't seek to, to show hospitality. Amen. We still need to not neglect gathering together, Amen. as is the manner of some. This is more challenged today than I've ever seen it challenged in our lifetime. True. There's a tendency to just, just be, be on pause with our Christian life. True. Many aspects of our Christian life particularly around community and mission right now. And, and we got to push back against that. We can't let the enemy shut us down and get complacent and lethargic. Okay? We are a people who are created for community, formed for family, made for mission. And we do it together. We pursue this together. The early church, look, look at what uh, Acts 2.44 through 46 says. And, and all who believed were together. Okay, they didn't have Zoom then. They had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, dis distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. Okay? And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. See, hospitality facilitates loving community. Okay? Um, just here's some examples in the book of Acts. Okay, there's numerous examples in the book of Acts. Titius Justice's home was a place that facilitated loving community. All right, and 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 uh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> that might be on my next point. Hospitality aids teaching and discipleship. Hospitality not only facilitates loving community, but it aids teaching and discipleship. And so, yeah, there's a place to belong, a place to receive grace, encouragement, a place to, to, to experience uh, like a spiritual hospital where you're loved and you're served and you're built up and you're, you're, you're nursed to health. Yeah. Okay, there's a place for that, yeah. right? But then there's also a place for truth, not just grace, loving community, grace, but also truth where, where you're being taught and you're being discipled and being trained to follow Jesus. Titius Justice's home was one of those. Aquila and Priscilla. Okay, there was this guy named Apollos who, he knew the scriptures. He was a gifted speaker. All right? But he needed some mentoring, and Aquila and Priscilla pulled him aside. 
And they took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now I can imagine them bringing them to their home, sitting down, having whatever kind of, if they had tea or whatever. They're sitting down, they're talking. All right, you know, you're missing something here in your message. You're a great preacher. But let, me, let, me, let us help you out a little bit. Let us explain Jesus to you a little bit more or, or the, 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 the Holy Spirit a little bit more. Jason's home in Acts 17. Lydia's home. Okay, she, she got converted. She was a wealthy Asian woman in and, and Acts 16. And she's like, hey guys, come stay at my place. We got, I got room. Okay, yeah, yeah. she's a God-fearing woman and, and, and came to Christ. Philip's, Philip the evangelist house. Okay, you know they had he had he had daughters that prophesied, virgin daughters that prophesied. There was this uh, prophet Agabus who shows up, and there was this, he facilitated some charismatic community at his house, yeah, right? Yeah. Where Paul showed up. Um, Stephen in the First Corinthians sixteen. Listen to this. Uh, speaking of, uh, he, Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, "Now I urge you, brothers." That, that you know the household of Stephan Stephanus. I'm sorry, I'm not saying that. Stephanus. Stephanus were, were the first converts in Achinasia. And they had been devoted themselves, quote, to the service of the saints, to be subject to these and every fellow worker and laborer. Rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortinatus. I should have practiced this beforehand. Fortinatus. And Echinaceus, because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. They refreshed my spirit. This is what hospitality does. It refreshes the spirits of others, encourages the brothers. And we have some superstar hospitality folks here, by the way. Uh, you know, I just think about the Diaz uh, being just one of them, one of the families that, that are rock star, hospitable people who provided a place of grace, a loving community for people to show up, a place for discipleship. We got some folks here who could testify how instrumental the Diaz home has been Amen. for their growth and coming to Jesus and growing in Jesus, right? All right? If, if that's you, say amen. All right? Um, Martin Luther, the, the, the uh, preacher of the, first, of the Reformation, one of the, the great preachers of the Reformation, he was known for his hospitality. His, his home, as, as one historian says, that great house was always full to the brim. So he learned that, that not only is, is a pulpit powerful for discipleship, but a table is powerful for discipleship. For training and teaching, not only his, his own family, his own children, but others who would come and see his family and, and look on the inside. For me, there's a house that, that comes to mind when I think about how the Lord has shaped my life. Amen. And it's a house off of 5115 Junius Street in Old East Dallas. When I was a new Christian, I came to the Lord and there were... There were my Aquila and Priscilla, if you will, Brad Weir and Angela Weir. They lived, they lived here. Actually, they were building that house uh, when I met them. And this was a place where I experienced the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Many times I walked into this home discouraged, needing encouragement, needing counsel, need, needing somebody to just... Just, you know, encourage me, counsel me with God's word, pray for me. 
for a breakthrough, get some wisdom from above. And God used this home, the loving hospitality of Brad and Angela Weir, where, where my faith was built up. This was a place where prayer was happening. This was a place that I walked in at least more than once uh, needing to repent, and I repented. And I left with a burden lifted from my shoulders because of the love and the hospitality of Brad and Angela Weir. I, I preached my first sermon on a Sunday morning in this home. We, wow. we, they started City Church International, our sending church, in this home. Okay? And I preached my first sermon there. I ate my first meal with my soon-to-be wife in this home. Wow. All right. They, they invited us over. They were being hospitable matchmakers. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, yeah. And four kids, ten years later, and four Ooh. kids later. Um, and, and so God used this place to help for my spiritual formation. God used these people. It's not just about the, the physical. And this is a great home. This is a nice home, right? And they, they sold it, and they sold it to a godly couple who's, I think, continuing that, that tradition. But God used that spot on 5115 Junius Street to shape my life. And I want to cast vision today for each of us to use our homes, our apartments, whatever space we have, to do that for somebody else. To provide loving community. To provide a place for discipleship, encouragement. To provide a place where the mission of God is fueled in the people of God. Okay? Hospitality also promotes evangelism. Hospitality also promotes evangelism. Michael Green, in his book, Evangelism in the Early Church, says this. He says, one of the most important methods of, sp of spreading the gospel, miss, uh, typo there, of spreading the gospel in, in iniquity was, did I say that right? One of the most important methods of spreading the gospel in antiquity, thank you, I said iniquity, antiquity, <laughs> first century, was the use of homes. It had positive advantages. The comparatively small numbers involved made real inter-exchange of views and formed discussion among the participants possible. There was no artificial isolation of a preacher from his hearers. There was no temptation for either the speaker or the heckler to play the gallery as there was in a public place or open-air meeting. The sheer informality and relaxed atmosphere of the home, not to mention the hospitality, which must often have gone with it, all helped make this form of evangelism particularly successful. That's very good. Amen. I love this. This is a great resource, a great book, by the way. Um, Evangelism in the early church. George Barna, I remember reading a book that he, he uh, some research that he had done on evangelism. And, and what, I, it, it amazed me how many people had came, the high percentage of people that came to the Lord through being invited to a home or a small group. It was more than cold turkey evangelism. I, I've done a lot of street evangelism, handing out tracts, engaging people at the store, and engaging in conversations. Okay, but, but according to George Barna and his research, like this is where the bulk, this is where the bulk of people have come to meet the Lord through these relationships and being invited in to homes where they experience the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dawson Trotman 
was the founder of the Navigators. Okay, he was the founder of the Navigators, and he reached out. He ministered to to, to sailors. Okay, I think he was on the on the West Coast, if I'm not mistaken. But he saw. He was able to say, after years of ministry of reaching out to sailors, that that a sailor from every state in in the U.S. had become a Christian in his living room. What a testimony. What a test. A sailor from every state in the United States had become a Christian in his living room. This guy was, has been used by the Lord to, uh, to, to help facilitate discipleship, to fuel discipleship. That One of the, the curriculums we use on Wednesday nights is uh, the 2-7 series uh, was started by the Navigators. And these guys have knocked it out of the park when it comes to discipleship for years. Billy Graham used them as uh, one of their guys for follow-up, as, as to, to lead the follow-up of these great big crusades that Billy Graham threw. People would come to the Lord and he needed somebody to follow up and disciple these guys. And so it was a navigator that helped, helped bring about the discipleship needed, implementing that. Here's another example of, of somebody coming to the Lord through the hospitality of Christians. Rosaria Butterfield, who wrote the book, the author of the book, the gospel comes with a house key. Okay? The gospel comes with a house key. She was, she was a lesbian. Okay? Involved in a very, uh, a very liberal church. I think a Unitarian church. I think she was a professor as well, if I'm not mistaken. So she was a very intellectual person. And it was through the invitation and, and the, the community of this pastor and his wife that, that she was able to have a safe place to have tough conversations about her lifestyle, well, about the gospel. I think they, they did it well. They did it with grace. Uh, she, she said, uh, one of the things I read uh, about her testimony in that she was expecting, I think the first time she went and had dinner there, she was expecting something that would feel like a punch in the stomach from, from them. But she didn't get it. I mean, they still had the, those conversations that needed to be had about her lifestyle, but they didn't punch her in the stomach the first time. Wow. With that conversation, okay, we as as Christians we need to be people of grace and truth. Now, next week we're going to talk about biblical marriage, and, and we'll we'll speak to this issue. And we and y'all know where we stand on this. We believe in God's model and design for marriage. But here's somebody who experienced the grace of the gospel displayed through hospitality, who has become like an evangelist through hospitality. People have come to the Lord through her uh, opening up her home. She has all these stories of what God has done. Like as I, as, I, as I looked in her book, the gospel comes with a house key. I looked at her schedule. She, she listed out a schedule of her week. I was convicted when I saw her schedule and I thought about my schedule and just, her just loaded. She's homeschooling and she's just doing all these things, reaching out to people, inviting people into the home and, and I'm just challenged by somebody who's living out the gospel with such sacrifice and dedication. Amen? And so here, here's just another story of those who've been impacted. I envision us here at City Church of having homes that reflect the grace of the gospel through showing hospitality. I envision hospitality among us that leads to small groups being formed, spiritual growth advancing, loving community fostered, gospel conversations discussed, and mission fueled. Wow, that's good. Mission fueled. That's good. What if we got a hold of this, church? Amen. Amen. 
What if we started to see our house as a house of prayer? Yeah. What if we started to see yeah. our house as a, as a small church? Amen. A place that we can invite others in and just informally yes. talk about God, worship God, yes. Yes. and reach out to our neighbors. Okay? Let me ask you this question. Do you know the names of your neighbors? Do you know the names of your neighbors? And have you invited them into your home? Have, your, have any of your neighbors stepped into your home for a meal? Have they experienced the grace of Jesus through your hospitality? That's, that's one of the things that it's going to take for us to make an impact in this world. For the kingdom of God to spread. Like the, in the early church, they met house to house. Okay? Amen? John Piper says this, Therefore, when we practice hospitality, here's what happens. We experience the refreshing joy of becoming conduits of God's hospitality rather than being self-decaying cul-de-sacs. The joy of receiving God's hospitality decays and dies if it doesn't flourish in our own hospitality to others. It's powerful. We don't want to be a cul-de-sac. We want to be a conduit of God's grace, His love, His life. We don't want to be like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has lots of inflow going into it. Lots of life inflow going into it. But there's no outlet. Okay? So everything that goes into it dies. Okay? As Christians, we we need to not only receive great Bible teaching and, and be in the Word and, and having great times of worship and, 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 and have great resources uh, for equipping encouragement in the body of Christ. But we need to be conduits. We need to be giving out yeah. and aiming to be and display that very grace that we receive from Amen. others. That's right. That's right. Okay, it's not, it's not enough for us to just hear the Word and be like, man, that was a great Word. <laughs> great Word, right? James says if we're, if we're going to really be blessed, yeah. then we need to be doers of the Word. Take some action upon what was yeah. said. Jesus said, you know these things after He washed His disciples' feet. You know, that, you know what I just did. You know me, your, your teacher, your Lord, Jesus said to His disciples, have washed your feet. If I've done that to you, mm-hmm. so you ought to do to one another. Oh, come on. That's good. Okay? That's when we'll experience. Yeah. He said, if you, know, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. You know these things. But blessed are you if you do them. Okay? So we have to put to action what God has shown us through the gospel and shown hospitality to others. So practically, on on the ground. Okay? How do we do this? What next steps? First, schedule a time to invite people into your home. Okay? If you don't plan it and you're not intentional about it, you're going to tend to neglect it and not make it a value and not make it a priority. And so value, like put it in there. I, I, you know, Rosaria Butterfield, she talks about the budget that she has for it. Like her and her, her husband have agreed upon a monthly budget that this is going for our hospitality. There's sacrifice in it. There's food that, you know, may need to be made. And, and now you don't have to be a Martha Stewart, right? You don't have to be a Martha Stewart or a... Uh, what's that? You can burn the rolls. You can burn the rolls. You can burn the rolls while you're having a conversation, right? Um, you know, it's, it, it can be good for people to see what real life looks like in your home and, and see you walking in peace and joy and love and grace towards your children as they're terrorizing the place, making a mess, right? No. 
Schedule a time to invite people into your home. Make a list of people that you can show strategic hospitality. I love this. Piper uses this, this phrase, strategic hospitality. Okay? Not just hospitality. Don't, don't aim to invite somebody over who can pay you back and invite you over to their place. Amen. When Jesus talked about this in, in Luke 14, he said, when you throw a feast... Go invite the poor, the lame, right. the, the outcast. Right. Bring them in right. so that they can't repay you. But know this, you're going to be repaid at the resurrection. Amen. It's Amen. going to be worth it That's right. because right. there's a reward. The Father will reward you. You may not feel like you get it now, but, but it will help you keep you from grumbling <laughs> if you keep it before your sight that That's your right. reward's in heaven. That's right. Your treasure's in heaven with this. So pour yourself out. Give your resources out to others for the sake of facilitating loving community, discipling others, and, and moving towards mission. Amen? And, and lastly, use the holidays for opportunities to show hospitality. The holidays are often, more, um, the, often the times that, lo that singles and people who struggle with loneliness have that magnified in their lives. And so those are great times to target for, um, for <clears throat> opportunities for hospitality. Let's be a people who engage in this. Let me close with a uh, story here from Max Lucado. I thought this was excellent. Kevin, if you would come on up. Can you guys lead us in uh, more of you again? Or if you had something else. Okay. This is it. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, yeah. Amen. Send it this week to you guys. Yeah, send it to you this week. Um, last, last thing I want to say this is about hospitality is that God calls leaders, and this is a characteristic for elders and pastors in the church. This is an important thing because God wants all his people to be hospitable and grow in this grace. He calls his, his leaders in the church to be pace setters for it. Okay? To set a pace for showing hospitality, opening up their lives and opening up their homes so that others can experience the grace and the truth of Jesus. And so just church, I want to say I'm committed to this. I, I know it's it's not easy, it's hard, it's, it requires sacrifice, but it's worth it. And and my, my our, our home and our life is open to you guys as the church, City Church Garland. There's priority uh, to being open to you guys. If there's a need, you need prayer, you need encouragement, but also we're going to open up to strangers too. We're, we're not, we're not going to just be inward focused. We're going to make sure those within our body 
our, our needs are met. We're healthy. But then we're, we're going to always keep in view the mission that God's called us to. We, we aim to be a missional community here. Missional living is one of our values. So it's not just, we're not just a social club. Okay? Our membership is much more meaningful than just a social club or country club. Okay? We are people on mission. And so God, would you lead us into living lives that are poured out for the gospel. Living lives that are transformed and changed and shaped by the gospel. God, would you strengthen deep within us the why of us pursuing hospitality. That we would have your heart. That we would remember how you've dealt with us. With grace. With mercy. With an open invitation to come. With all our brokenness and all our baggage. And all our quirky issues. You've received us. You, you've welcomed us. And so may we be a church who welcomes one another for the glory of God.